now that I've done these, I can't imagine not doing them for a project. I just feel like it would be such a missed opportunity. Welcome to Design Life, a show about design and side projects for motivated creatives. My name is Charlie. And my name is Femke. And in this episode today, we're going to talk about running project retrospectives, which essentially means that at the end of a project, once it's complete, it's shipped, it's live, everything's been done, you get together with the people who worked on the project and you kind of take a moment to reflect on how the project went what went well, what didn't go well, any areas of opportunity to improve upon next time. And I've done this a few times on projects that I've worked on at Uber. I often get together with the engineers and the project manager and a few other people. And we take an hour or so to sort of have an open conversation where people can give their feedback and thoughts. So we thought we'd chat about this today. I think, Charlie, you haven't had as much experience maybe as I have doing these. So it'll be interesting. Maybe you'll learn something. Um, but before we get into it, how are you going? How, how are things? Things are good. I have been writing a lot lately, which has been fun because I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but I have been talking about it around the internet. But I want to start working on writing a book. And so I'm building up my writing habit, basically, in order to be able to do that. Um, A new little coffee shop opened down near my building back in January, and I found it to be an amazing place to just take my iPad and its keyboard and go sit and write for a bit. So that's, yeah, something I've been finding a lot of joy in lately is writing. And um, the biggest thing that I've written recently was a super long blog post that told the full story of my business. We did an episode about sunsetting side projects a while back. Uh, and this was kind of like a written version of the full story of that side project that I sunsetted my t-shirt business. So it was fun to sit down and, and write it all out. So I feel like that's what I've been up to. That blog post really took over my life for a minute there. <laughs> yeah, I, I read it and it was such a like nice story to read and also Thank kind you. of sad right um, yeah about how you sort of it came time to to let it go and move on are you sort of writing at the moment just as practice to like prepare yourself for when you start writing your book or are you also already beginning to put some thoughts together for your book I feel like a bit of both like I'll write and maybe it's on a topic that could maybe one day be useful in the book. You know what I mean? But it's mostly just writing to figure out how to get my thoughts expressed and how to, yeah, how to write. Because honestly, that is a skill you need to build. It's it's really difficult to sort of sit down and write and not agonize over every sentence and edit yourself <laughs> as you go and all this. So yeah, um, that's that's what I've been doing. What about you? I have been feeling pretty good lately. I, I think I'm one of those people where my mood is really affected by the weather. Uh, <laughs> and <yep. laughs> as like spring is like kind of finally here and suddenly I see blue sky again and the birds chirping and more daylight. I don't know. I've just been feeling really good lately and sort of getting out my spring wardrobe. I don't know. It's been nice. I've been in good moods, which has been fun. I'm going to Toronto next week for Easter, which will be fun. I'm going to work remotely for a week from there, which will be cool. Although I heard that it's still very, very cold there. So (laughs) I guess not spring yet. But yeah, I've been, I, I don't know, for anyone who has sort of like been following my YouTube channel, there was like three weeks where I didn't post anything. 
because I was very busy and going through some emotional stuff and not feeling super great. But I finally posted a new video last week and man, I, I realize now what people are talking about when they say that like the algorithm can really punish you if you don't publish for a while or like you change your uploading schedule or behavior, uh. all of a sudden it's like, you know, I uploaded what I thought was a really interesting and, and good video and was expecting to get a lot of response. And on my other videos, I often get quite a lot of comments, but on this video, I've only got one comment. And I'm like, this can't just be a coincidence. This must be the algorithm punishing me. So that's been an interesting lesson. Yeah, I mean, that sucks. And that's, that is the hard thing about doing YouTube. And it might not even be the upload schedule. Like, I don't know, there's so many different things that can affect how the algorithm favors you. And yeah. Yeah, it's super frustrating. But I thought that that was a very useful video. I like, thanks. Brilliant <laughs> idea to bring Owen on. We should link it in the show notes. Let's get some more views on it, get some more comments <laughs> on it for you. Because, yeah, great topic. And um, yeah great to send an email to your list out about it as well. That's something yeah. that I never think to do with my videos. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, for those listening, I did a video about UX writing with uh, my partner Owen, who's a UX writer freelancer. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but yeah, I decided to also, you know, I have this newsletter list, which isn't huge. Like there's only about a thousand people on it, but hey, it's a thousand people that I can sort of get directly into their inbox. So I'm sort of not doing it for every video, but just playing with the idea of like, what if I sent out an email, you know, linking to the video and like writing a very small little bit about what we talked about and sort of see if people would click through and, and be interested in sort of watching it that way. So I don't know, it's just a little experiment to see if that has any effect on, I guess, the the statistics of, of the video, but we'll see. Yeah, it's a great idea. I sent an email out to my list um, as well about my blog post because a lot of people are on my email list from a DIY screen printing guide that I created back when I was running my t-shirt oh, business. Oh, yeah. On, like, there's about 17,000 people have joined to get that download. 17,000? Yep. Wow. <laughs> so this is a group of people that I feel like are not highly engaged with me as a creator. More so they wanted that content, right? So... I sent two separate emails, one to that group being like, hey, just so you know, I'm not screen printing anymore, that sort of thing, basically. Um, and, and here's a link to, to see more. I hope you'll stick around, but basically encouraging them to leave the list if they're not interested in me going forward, just that I can make sure my email list is full of people who actually want to be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. And the response has been amazing. Like so many replies. My inbox has been completely overflowing. I've been sending people little thank you notes to nice things they've been saying. Yeah, I, I should see emails more often, basically, because this, this has been a good experience. Yeah, and it's it's a totally, I don't know, lately I found underutilized channel. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you have a list and you have something interesting to share, then totally I think you should at least experiment with that, right? And see if people are interested and if that draws more attention to the thing you're promoting, etc. So, yeah, I... I I definitely am a fan of email. I know some people think email's dead, but I think it definitely has a place. Yeah, well, I mean, I obviously think it has a place because I work for a <laughs> company. <laughs> That's our thing. You're but, paid yeah. to say that. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> Shall we move on to the topic? Because I feel like yes. we need to go back this forever. We should probably give the people what they came for. <laughs> 
I have a lot of questions for you. Okay. About project retrospectives and things. You're right when you say that I don't have as much experience with this. We move very quickly at ConvertKit and oftentimes as soon as a project is launched, we we're like moved on to the next thing. You know what I mean? And we don't think about going back after it's finished, after the campaign is over or whatever to, to like reflect back on it. Uh, every now and then we have, and it's been great. And we write up a little base camp post about it. I feel like we could definitely get better about revisiting those the next time they come around. I'm thinking for things that we do yearly, like cyber Monday, like when we were planning our project last year, everyone was like, well, what happened, what happened the year before? Like, I don't know, did this happen? And I was like, if only we'd written up our retrospective. We would know. <laughs> we would know. Yeah. So I think that's definitely something we can get better at. But whenever we do it, it's mostly just a conversation. Like it's a discussion. What do you think went well? What do you think we could do differently next time? And everyone has a chance to, to say things. Um, so I'd love to hear more about the structure behind it. I'd love to hear how it works for you. Um, is it a like a guaranteed thing, every single project is going to have a retrospective? Uh, yes. Well, like, it's not guaranteed, but there's usually always someone who has the initiative to run one. Okay, so it's not something that's kind of set up beforehand or anything like that. It's more like, you know, someone's going to take it on. Yeah, so it's kind of like the project ends, and then a couple of weeks later... I'll see a calendar invite for the retrospective. It's just kind of how it works. If you didn't see the calendar invite, would you set one up? Yes. And I actually did this. So I've had two or been involved in two sort of big retrospectives over the last year. And one I ran and then another one was run by an engineer. And they were both run quite differently. <laughs> Surprise. So for the one that I ran, if, if, if it's okay, I'll just jump in and sort of explain how, how I ran it. Yes, would love to hear that. So what I did is I'm very much in favor of using post-it notes and encouraging some quiet time to get people to write down their thoughts. The other way that you could do this is what you kind of mentioned, where you have an open discussion. And while open discussions can be really good, I also find that you know, there's usually one person that's dominating the conversation and one person who's typically more quiet. And I find that if we go sort of the more post-its route, everyone gets equal opportunity to voice their feedback. Mm. So what I did was I sort of put 10 minutes on the clock, gave everyone post-it notes, um, color-coded post-it notes. Everyone got three different colors and you could write down the good, the bad and the ugly. Although I think we halfway through the meeting changed the ugly to like the could be improved to be a bit more positive. <laughs> but essentially, so you wrote down on these color-coded post-it notes, feedback and, and thoughts for each of those if you had them. And then we clustered them up together on the board. Then everybody had, I think, two or three votes and they could vote on the things that they felt we could focus on to improve. So then we ended up with like popular ones where, okay, so a lot of people really uh, felt strongly about this one. There was only one person that really felt like this was an issue. You know, you could kind of see the weight of, of each of those pieces of feedback. And what we did is we sort of typed that all up into a spreadsheet and then we took the ones that had been voted on the most, so the most popular ones that people felt like 
we're really an issue or we should really focus on improving. And we sort of assigned those to people and sort of said, okay, the sort of action item or takeaway from this is you're going to look into um, how we can make sure that, I don't know, copy changes are super clear because that was something that people felt like we could really improve upon. And this person over here is going to look into how we could work better with the platform design team, so to speak. Uh, so everyone kind of went away with that with actionable items and a sort of agreement about where we could improve. I like that because the, the key thing that that where that differs from how we've handled retrospectives in the past is the action items part. Right. It's like, now what? <laughs> Ours has really mostly been, yeah, a discussion, like, let's reflect back on it. Um, and like I said, ideally, write that up somewhere so that we can look back on it next time we go to do a project similar. We can remind ourselves what went well or what, what didn't so that we don't make the same mistakes. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think about how we'd, how we'd do this because we're obviously a much smaller company. Um and there's much less like need to go and talk to this department or that sort of thing. But I still think it could be really useful for us to have action items after a retrospective, even if it's like someone's going to write this thing up and put it somewhere. Like if that's the action item, just to make sure that that absolutely gets done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I'm actually looking at one now from the past and the most highly voted on uh, thing to improve upon from this project was people felt like there were too many tools and too many sources of truths. So like we were using Figma and we were using Google Slides and we were using this tool called Coda. And I think engineers felt like, you know, where do we go to, to look and get the right information? There's just too many places to go and then you have to have to search. And so I sort of took that on as an action item for myself uh, because as a designer, I was um, responsible for this, basically. You're the one creating all the tools, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um for example, now, like six months later, I'm working on a completely different project and I just have one source of truth. Like, nice. here's where you go. I think and maybe did I talk about this in a previous episode where I've created an internal website for my project? Yeah, that's the one, the one and only link that I share with everybody. And from there, you can find whatever you need to find. There's links to the Figma. There's links to spreadsheets. There's links to everything. Uh, so that way, you know, I've kind of taken this on, this feedback on as an action item for me and tried now in this project to avoid basically that happening again. Yeah, I suppose one thing that is also different between the way we each work is that your projects are like months or a year long, right? Yeah. So does that mean that you might end up basically doing one or two retrospectives each year or do you kind of break it down in different parts of the process? I don't know. So far, we've only done it at the end of a project. Yep. So that is like once or twice a year. Something that we are just starting and we haven't had the first one yet, so I can't reflect on it yet in this episode, unfortunately, but we are going to be doing this on a monthly basis for the design team. So every month, I think the idea is to like sit down and be like, okay, what went well this month? Uh, what didn't go well this month? Uh, what are some things that we can improve upon as a design team? So that is a different approach. That's like not for a particular project that you worked on, but more sort of a retro for the team. Like how are things going? Which is what engineering teams do, right? Have a have a retro. Right. Yeah, interesting. I think yeah, that might be one of the reasons why we don't 
often do these is because we're working on so many things all at once and also a lot of things are much smaller projects that maybe don't require a full team to get in a room and talk about what went well and what didn't but yeah definitely there's one project on at the moment that I'm gonna suggest we do a retrospective on I just remembered as well that we call them post-mortems oh <laughs> yes yes I've heard yep. of that as well and also what we do is what we're, I think we might be better at than doing the post-mortem even in terms of structure is a pre-mortem so basically before a project or a new features launching or something like that someone will make a base camp post usually it's one of the directors being like all right this is this project's pre-mortem let's imagine we got to the end of this what could have gone horribly wrong what are the areas that we're really concerned about and it's basically a, a chance for you to think ahead and catch those problems before they actually become problems if that makes sense uh, is that something that you think about as well at the start of a project? No, and, and I think we should because it, it is a more proactive approach, right? And it's kind of trying to figure out how to avoid potential struggles and pitfalls throughout the project, which is a really smart thing to do. Uh, and also, like, for me, it makes even more sense, I think, for a place like Uber because there are so many people, every time I work on a project, it's with a completely new group of people. Uh, so, you know, it, there's always a bit of teething problems, right? Like learning this person's management style and how this person likes to communicate. And, you know, every time you have to kind of go through that painful process, whereas I imagine at ConvertKit, you're probably working more regularly with the same group of people. So, you, you know, you learn that over time. Yeah. So I think for, for a place like Uber, actually doing a pre-mortem is more important than ever, <laughs> potentially, to kind of start off on a good foot right otherwise every time it's like this sort of awkward teething phase yeah yeah for sure um one thing that I think is worth mentioning is that you know often when we think of these postmodems or, or retrospectives it's very easy to kind of jump to the the negative stuff oh my um, gosh that's so true <laughs> yeah which is important right like you know, you want to talk about what went wrong, but I think it's equally important to talk about what went really well. Uh, so we sort of try to take like an approach where we have a few different questions to answer. So the first is like, what worked well? What could have been done better? What should we stop doing? And what should we start doing? And I think if you break it up like that, you highlight both the areas of opportunity and then also the things that, you know, you should keep doing because they went really well. And I think it's important to mention those as well so that you can all kind of recognize and realize like actually this thing that we decided to do was a great idea and that really helped for these reasons. Like how can we make sure that we do that again next time? Yeah, that's really great point. Um, it's, it's super easy to jump to the negative. As soon as you said that, I thought of I've been taking singing lessons these group singing classes on Tuesdays through this city academy in London and we're we just had week four and so we're halfway through and the singing tutor was like oh yeah I would love to for us to reflect on you know why we came here and how we think we're going so far and all of us said negative things or like oh. things that we'd learned that we were terrible at so yeah it's super easy to jump to the negative first oh my gosh yeah and when you said that it reminded me too that that is something that our directors always do whenever we kick off a, a project, like post-mortem discussion, whatever, is they always ask us what we thought went well first. Um, 
and I'm usually sitting there doing that part, just being like, oh, I want to wait and talk about Waiting. things I work on. Like, I don't need to praise myself. Like, I already know what I did good. But you're right. It's really important. But you, yeah, you know, but maybe not everybody knows. Or or maybe maybe you thought this thing went really well, but this other person didn't think it went really well, right? Mm, yep. So I think it's always good to you know, see it from both sides and celebrate what went well and you know, obviously, of course, also highlight what didn't go well. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because if something doesn't go well, um, it could be connected to something that did go well, or, you know, there might be some overlap. I don't know where you might think that the solution to the thing that didn't go well is to not do something that actually did go well. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? So you've got to have them both there to make sure that you're not cannibalizing on the stuff that did good in order to fix the stuff that, that didn't go so well. Yeah, I mean, I think like now that I've done these, I can't imagine not doing them for a project. I just feel like it would be such a missed opportunity. And also now as I'm sort of in the middle of a new project, I'm, you know, collecting <laughs> collecting thoughts and observations of, oh, you know, I'm definitely going to bring this up when we have the retrospective because I think this could have been done a lot better, for example, right? Oh, that's that's interesting. Okay, so why do you not bring them up right then and there? Is it because it would derail the project? Yeah, because the moment's passed, like it's already happened, right? So like, oh, this thing happened and well, that didn't go very well. I think we could have done that better, but we've, we've moved on, right? We're, we're moving so fast. We're on to the next thing. So I kind of, rather than like bringing it up now when I know that people don't have the headspace or the capacity to absorb the feedback and make changes I'm kind of saving it for when we have the project retro where everyone is in a position where they are open to feedback and able to take it on so that we can make those changes for next time I'm not saying that's the right way that's just kind of how how it's worked for me so far yeah that's interesting I feel like we have quite the culture at to bring that stuff up in the moment either like reach out to someone directly or you know yeah bring it up so maybe that's why I don't know retros can sometimes get forgotten is because we might have said stuff already but yeah no it definitely is still as important for us to do something that we tend to do at the start of big discussion meetings is red yellow green I don't know if we've talked about this on the show before but it's basically like a traffic light system for how you're feeling uh, and like where your brain space is at that day so if you're green then you're like in a good space you're feeling positive, you're ready to go, feeling awake, you know, if you're yellow, then you're like, you're there, but you know, there's a few things niggling at you and maybe you might be a little bit distracted or something. Um, You're not your absolute best. And then if you're red, you're really having a tough time and you know, you're struggling today. Maybe you're overwhelmed, maybe it's work stuff, maybe it's life stuff, but whatever it is, your head is kind of like feeling all over the place. And just knowing where everyone in the room is at really does help to frame discussions so I don't know maybe maybe now is not the time to bring up that your teammate who's just said they're feeling red did this thing really poorly (laughs) like maybe we save that and talk to them about it another time when it would be more productive to have that conversation you know because you don't want to beat on someone when they're already down yeah that that's just a like a framing thing that we do at the start of meetings and I feel like it could be a really good thing to do at the start of retrospectives especially just to see where everyone's at yeah it it could be like if, I don't know, if you're listening and maybe you're, you're going to run one for the first time, maybe an interesting place to start 
is have some kind of spectrum like maybe it's a traffic light maybe it's a scale of one to ten I don't know but just kick off the conversation with like okay if you had to reflect back on this project and and give it a score or give an indication of how you felt it went where are you on the spectrum you know before you even like have the discussions like just get a sense of how the room feels the project went yeah that's interesting because you could have some people who are like oh it was like a nine and someone's like are you kidding me it was a two Yes, that is interesting. And then it's also interesting if you start to see patterns like, oh, all the designers were feeling a nine and all the engineers were feeling a two. Like there's there's a reason that that it is that way, right? So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I love that. That that sounds like a great thing to include. We asked our community about this. You you, you asked if anyone had any questions. Um, and Al said he didn't have any real questions, but he wanted to share a way that he did it, which was really interesting for me to read because like we just have been talking about, I haven't had much experience with this. And he said the key for him in retrospectives is to have a facilitator who wasn't involved with the project to oh. direct and time box things, someone calm and reasoned to move the conversation along. That's really interesting to me to think about having a meeting facilitator Having someone there who has no context on the project, I just, like, I get it that it's good to have someone to to be like, okay, we should move on now. But at the same time, I feel, I don't know how I feel about that because I, I, I can imagine myself being in the situation and being like, you weren't there, man. <laughs> you don't know what we dealt with. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I have experience about this because I have been that person. Oh, okay. Wait, so you were... You weren't involved with the project, but you were facilitating the meeting about it? Okay. Yes. It wasn't a retrospective, um, but it was quite a big, important meeting where basically designers were submitting or, or presenting their proposal for an idea. And I wasn't involved at all in this project, but there, you know, it had been going on for a couple of months and I kind of heard a little bit about how the meetings could sometimes get really heated or like some people would take. L- take longer, meaning the person at the end didn't have as much time, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and that like discussions could get really carried away and they were really struggling to kind of um, have a sort of non-biased uh, point of view where someone could just be like, nope, your time's over, too bad, moving on, or like, okay, interesting point, let's park this discussion, you know, just someone to facilitate. So <laughs> they approached me being like, you know, we have this this big presentation everyone has to present their ideas and I think they're a bit worried that it could get carried away or discussions could get sidetracked so they asked me to facilitate and I was like sure all I had to do really was just keep time I had a time timer I don't know if you know what that is it's like this physical countdown timer so everyone can see how much time is left nice Um, So I had one of those. I stopped discussions when they were getting off topic or too long. I decided the order of who was going to present, you know, and I think for them, it was just nice to have like a non-biased facilitator who wasn't invested in the project, who wasn't, you know, taking sides. I didn't have any opinion to just be there to, to move it along and make sure that it was a successful session. Interesting. I Okay, now that I'm hearing you explain it in full, I do see how that could bring a lot of value to things. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just worry that if you haven't been involved with the project, maybe you wouldn't realize, I don't know, in discussion when something comes out, there's actually pr- a pretty big, like, revelation, you know. And if you're saying, like, okay, that's time to stop talking about that and move on when this is something that really needs to be 
delved into more, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I guess as the facilitator, um, I don't know, you've got to have a good, good intuition, I suppose, or understanding of, um, reading the room maybe is what I'm thinking. Like yeah. when people really need this, need to go into this more. I think so. And I think it's also about like, you know, it, it's not saying, nope, stop talking, who cares, moving on. It's more like, okay, this person has some good points and I see that this is a topic that needs further discussion. I'm going to, you know, park it for now and we can set up an alternative meeting or whatever or like who wants to take the action item on this okay you're going to follow up with this person great let's move on to keep the conversation centralized nice you know it's just it's also like about how you handle the situation I think and I don't necessarily think I'm a good facilitator I've only done this once well it sounds like you're pretty good at it (laughs) um but (laughs) it's it's an interesting approach I think right and yeah so I did it for that context I think potentially also for a retrospective it it could also be an interesting Interesting uh, use case for having a sort of non-biased facilitator. Yeah, I can see how discussions could just go on for freaking forever if you didn't have someone to time box as well. That you know, you just keep talking because, especially if it had been a rough project or something, and there was a lot to say. Exactly, makes sense. I'm thinking actually, like the more we talk about this, it's reminding me of uh, on our team retreats we do feedback sessions. And that's kind of like a retrospective on the past six months, not on a project in particular, but more on as a company, how are we going? As a team, how are we going? Um, as a coworker, how I've thought you've been going and, you know, giving feedback in that way. So I think we actually do a lot more reflecting than maybe I initially came across as saying that we do <laughs> as, as we've been talking about this. I think it's just been less formalized, you know, and less of a... yeah. A process and maybe less about projects yeah yeah and maybe it doesn't have to be this whole process you know for us it's pretty formal I guess um you know it could just be maybe you talk about it over lunch for example as long as there's a platform and a space where people can give their feedback and you can sort of take take that on board or someone's responsibility to take that on board so that next time you're in a better position you know, th- that's the main goal of this, right? Is to like, how can we take these learnings for next time so that we can do a better job uh, or or avoid this pitfall or whatever. So the, the way that you get there and how you conduct it, I don't think is as important as long as you're having that conversation and people feel comfortable enough to share their opinion and give feedback, then I think you're already doing a good thing. Yep, agreed. I think that that's been the main takeaway of this conversation for me is just, the importance of actually stopping to look back on the work you did before you race ahead to the next thing. Because if you don't, you could make a lot of the same mistakes. Exactly. And things won't go as well. So to give your next project that you're super excited about the best chance, you should reflect back on the previous one. Exactly. Nice. Thanks for, uh, yeah, chatting about me with this topic. I hope you learned something. I hope listeners learned something. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they did because... It's always really interesting to me to hear especially how things work at such a big tech company because the (laughs) biggest company I've ever worked at was Zero, and that had about, I think it was like 1,500 people when I left and it felt massive. But Uber is, gosh knows how many people, way more than that, right? Yeah, I think it's like 20,000 or something. That's like (laughs) the size of a small city. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so it's it's always really interesting. Thanks, Thanks for sharing. 
No worries. And if you listening have a topic in mind that you'd love us to chat about on the show, then you can send us a tweet. We are at Design Life FM on Twitter, uh, or you can send us an email, hello at Design Life FM. And if you want to listen to more episodes, they are at, guess what, designlife.fm. You probably could have guessed that. Well, That's well, our well. website. <laughs> yep. Um, or just open up your favorite podcasting app and search for us in there. All right. See you in the next episode. Good to chat to you, fam. Bye. Bye.